Well, hi, folks, and welcome to episode 3171 of the Survival Podcast. Today is Wednesday, September the 21st, 2022, and uh, today is interview day. I have Nathan and Anita from the Homeschool Project. They'll be on in just a bit. Uh, this is a good episode because Nathan started hearing about homeschooling and started to get interested, and Anita was the reluctant spouse to a degree. Uh, apparently, TSP had played at least some role in opening uh, the mind about that. And eventually, they realized the life-changing aspects of homeschooling, and they started the Homeschool Project podcast. So not only are they homeschoolers, they're actually interviewing other homeschoolers. And they've interviewed dozens now. They have over 100 episodes of their podcast. So they have talked to a tremendous number of people on this subject, far more than I have. I've had people on about homesteading, but we cover so much. Um, I think there is a tremendous value that comes from getting different views into things, including people doing things in different ways than you will do. But I think it'll be interesting to hear this couple's journey, and we're going to have a deep dive discussion with them, and that will be done via live stream on YouTube and other platforms, and we'll drop into that in just a minute. Before we do, let's go ahead and get some special or certain important announcements out of the way. First of all, um, if you want to come to the Survival Podcast TSPC Fall Workshop at Nine Mile Farm, we are in zero hour now. We are heading rapidly into terminal velocity Saturday morning the 24th that's only a few days away now at 9.30 a.m. CST Jack is going to drop a link in the TSP Telegram channel so it will hit the channel and the group both and it's a jump ball you click a link you go sign up if you make it you make it if you don't you don't I've done some things differently this year I'm allowing couples to sign up with a quantity two ticket that's going to make it sell out probably faster but I hate when a, a husband gets in and a wife doesn't it just feels wrong um, I'm doing that in an honor system but I'm also going to you know provide like I need to know uh, I, I put out a video yesterday about 25 minutes long it tells you everything you need to know about this and I really 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 recommend you watch it and listen to all of it it will set the stage exactly what to expect it'll answer just about any question you could have uh, prior to buying your ticket refund policy all of that it'll also ex explain the couples thing and how it applies to husbands and wives and things like that but it also applies to like fathers and sons and things like that limitations on children 16 and up basically without special approval um and and before anybody asks like one thing i didn't put in no discounts no because you and your wife are coming doesn't mean you get it it sells out in minutes you don't discount something that sells out in minutes i again i have to tell people every year uh that, that want to come i'm sorry you didn't get in so i have that video available i'll put it in the show notes today i'm going to do a standalone post about it on on the website today there'll be a link in the daily mail it'll go out everywhere on social media uh i, I highly recommend watching it because it gives you some tips and it actually shows you the sign up form before you, you, you get access to it. So you know the questions you're going to be asked because there's some stuff on there that helps us do things logistically to do a better job for you. And since you'll know that, you won't be thinking about it and you'll know exactly what to do because it really is a race. There are plenty of people every year, they get the form filled out 
but by the time they complete payment, they get the sold out message and they don't get in. So I've, I've, this year I went way out of my way to make sure everybody understood every aspect of it. I don't want anybody screaming at me at 10 o'clock in the morning on Saturday because they didn't get in. I, I can't even be bothered with that. I do the best that I can. Please understand that. Next up, our sponsors of the day. Sponsor of the day number one today is Backwoods Home Magazine. If you ever like, how does Jack know so much about so many things in this whole world of homesteading and, and, and preparedness? A lot of it came from, you know, like a decade and a half of reading Backwoods Home before I even started. It might have been more than that. I first got my first copy of Backwoods Home Magazine when I was a young man, and I mean young, 21 and out of the service. I think there's a song about that. Uh, yeah, 21 and just out of the service and ended up in a place called Denton, Texas. And my car broke down right when I got here. It sucked. I had to push it myself uphill on LBJ Freeway, five lanes of traffic. I'm not kidding. And people blew the horn at me. I was like, this is not a really friendly place. But uh, I got my car towed by my buddy, and I eventually got it fixed. But for the first few weeks, I was stuck without a car. There was a Barnes & Noble about two miles from the apartments we lived in, so I used to walk up to that mall and just walk around the mall and stuff like that, and I found this magazine on the shelf. Again, 1993. It would have been about September of 1993. And as soon as I got like a job and got my life together and got my car fixed and all that stuff, I, like, I subscribed to Backwoods Home Magazine. It was the first magazine I ever officially subscribed to as an adult. It is 2022. I am still a subscriber. It's a quarterly now, so when you get it, it's like a book. I love it. If you give it a shot, I think you will, too. Check it out, backwardshome.com. Next up today is the Ridge Wallet. Ridge Wallet was a company. I almost screwed up. I almost screwed up, guys. When they Actually, it was a rep of theirs that approached me about becoming a sponsor of the show. And I was almost like, I don't know that this really is the right product for the Survival Podcast. They said, let's send you some. I got one. I've been carrying it now almost five years. It'll be five years this January that, that uh, Ridge Wallet joined us. And now they are like this awesome EDC company. Everywhere I go when I pay with my, my, my and I pull my wallet, I, I get people saying, oh, you got the Ridge Wallet. Like, I had no idea they would become the amazing brand that they had. They had just really started with a Kickstarter back then. They have some really cool stuff. And guess what? They support us not just as a sponsor, but as a discount vendor for MSB. 10% off everything at Ridge Wallet. If you haven't been to RidgeWallet.com anytime recently, go check it out. Hey, I know it's still hot outside in September, but we are careening into Christmas. Man, there is some good stuff to get us some awesome gifts over at uh, RidgeWallet.com. With that, let's go ahead and drop on into the live feed and say hello to our two special guests today. And we are live, and with that, I want to say, Nathan and Anita, welcome to the Survival Podcast. Thank Going you. <laughs> I, I'm excited to have you guys today. Um, the background information that came in with the application to be on the show is really interesting to me since... Uh, our community played a role in it with uh, planting that homeschool seed in the brain. Uh, and then that you guys took that and turned it into more than just something you do, but something you're, you're, you're full on evangelizing at this point with your own podcast, over a hundred interviews uh, on homeschooling with home, people that are homeschooling various ways and on schoolers. It's just amazing. And I, I love seeing stuff like that. We need more and more people out there pushing it. But before we dive into that, let's start off with some backstory, some history, like, Because you guys now, you're not just homeschoolers, you're also kind of homesteaders and things like that. Like, how did that happen? Go back, both of you, to, you know, you decide who goes first. You, you're spacing out in school, you find a professional career, and all of a sudden you're this couple that's homeschooling and, and running kind of a simpler life with your homestead. All right, yeah. So I'm glad you asked that because I 
we do feel that where we came from plays an important part for like where we are right now. And so it started, I'd say, about 20 years ago when Nathan and I met in college. We were both attending college in Jacksonville, Florida. And yeah, <laughs> where, where you're from. Jacksonville, Florida. <laughs> so you know all about Jacksonville. Yes, I do. And uh, <laughs> Nathan ends up graduating before me and he takes a job out in New Mexico. And so when I ended up graduating, we get married and I'm going to make the move out to New Mexico to join him. Right. And leading up to this move, he keeps telling me like, okay, when you come out here, we're going to, we're going to be living in this cabin and I'm doing air quotes. Okay. And I'll get to those air quotes and I'm like, okay, all right. I love cabins. Like, right. (laughs) The time has come and my parents are helping me make the big move across country and we're traveling for two days and we arrive into this tiny town. It's called Tres Piedras. It's right outside of Taos, New Mexico for anybody familiar with it. It's pretty much in the middle of nowhere because it's 45 minutes out of like the, the biggest town. Yeah. And we've got the national forest as our backyard. And please keep in mind, I am a city girl up to this point. So this is going to be a big shock for me. And so we pull up. It's the middle of the night. I'm with my parents. And my dad stops. And I'm staring at at this cabin. And I'm like, this isn't a cabin? (laughs) What is this? (laughs) It's pretty much this a single wide trailer. It was a, it was a double wide. Double, double wide. wide. Double, <laughs> okay, moving up. Double wide. Um, still stuck in the 60s, I believe, is when it was built. And like I said, in the middle of nowhere, no neighbors to be found. And I just, I'll never forget my mom looking at me and saying, remember, home is what you make it. It's not building. <laughs> So I start to settle in and um, eventually that lifestyle starts growing on me and um, just living out in the middle of nowhere made us stronger as a couple because we left everybody we ever knew behind, our family, our friends. Like I said, I was a city girl up until this point and I had to learn to be comfortable in my own skin and learn to be okay with just me and the woods when Nathan would go to work. I worked too, and I had to work out my schedule because his his job made him work a lot of weekends and holidays. And so I am um, a registered nurse, and I was working as a nurse in the town that was 45 minutes away. And uh, I asked if I could do like four 10-hour shift days just so we could have, have like Thursday off together, you know. Sure. And – so I spent a lot of weekends by myself when he was working and I had to be okay with that. And it was just a very big cultural shock, but it ended up being kind of a blessing in disguise. And that's kind of where we fell in love with that style of living. Um, we aren't to that extreme at this point in our life, but it was a, a great way to kind of throw us in there in a sense. Right. It was a little reference. I worked for the game and fish department. So I was, out in the middle of the national forest for a reason. There was nowhere to live, so they stuck us in this this cabin. And in my defense, it had a sign that said TP cabin in the front of it. So that's 
why I told her it was a cabin. Um, Did it have wood colored yeah. sliding? Is that what made it a cabin? <laughs> no, it was a sign that said cabin. <laughs> uh, it was just a sign. It didn't even look like because I, I have seen the, you know, the the mobile homes that are like they have like wooden you know slat siding and they look cabin esque. So this didn't even have that. No, didn't look like a cabin at all. It just literally somebody had put up a sign that said TP Trace Pages Cabin. So that's okay. why I told her it was a cabin. It was it was labeled that. Um, but yeah, we spent we spent a few years there and then moved around New Mexico for a little little while. Um, but it was a different lifestyle out there, especially as you know, coming from Jacksonville. Uh, it was it was a shell shock for me too going out there. And they, I remember them telling me. We're sending you to this place because you're from Florida, and we're going to send you the most remote spot we have. But it, were, it was awesome. It was great. And um, we lived through hard winters, and we were 15 minutes from the Colorado border. Uh, she would get stuck. We would get stuck on the way home from work because the elk herd or the antelope herd was crossing. You just had to put it in park and wait for them to finish crossing. Um, it, it was something that I would never give up, never give that experience up for anything. Um, and then – well, what happened was we uh, were out there for several years, and she would always catch me uh, looking at the military websites. And this was something I always thought about doing, and I never did for whatever reason. And one day she said, Nathan, if you need to do this, I'm okay with it. And she gave she gave me her, her approval. And I, cause I always thought, oh, I'm, the, I'm the man of the house. I, I can't leave a good job. I have a great job. This is our life. But she gave me the okay knowing that something could possibly happen. I could quit this job. I could get injured and, and not make it through uh, boot camp. And I don't know, several weeks later, I put my resignation in and was leaving because that's how, that's how much I've always wanted it. But until she gave me the approval, I wasn't going to do that. And so went off to boot and uh, we went back to Florida. They put, put me back in Florida. But when we, when we left New Mexico, we made a promise to each other that we would never go back to the type of, not the type of people we were really, but the type of people that exist in that area <laughs> that we came from and their mentality because we became different people out there and we enjoyed that and we loved what we were doing. And we knew that if we went back to, and we went back to like the Tampa area that we know the type of people that live there and that's not everybody, but just the mentality. And we said, please don't let, let let's make sure we don't end up like that. Not, not that status quo, right? You're not throwing everybody into a box. No. There's an aggregate average that I know exactly what you mean. Like, yeah. Yeah. And, and so not to offend anybody like that lives there, but you know, a, a hobby is shopping around that area and that's not us. Yeah. Yeah. I got you. Yeah. We, we have uh I call them the Plano Aspenites here. So we have the, the, the kind of trophy wife group up, you know, Plano, Richardson, all that's a very wealthy area. And sure. it goes down to 52 degrees and they're out with the boots up to their knees with the, 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 uh, the, like the fur lined boots and like they're, they've got $2,000 on the hoof of clothes on their back and they're out shopping for a living. Like that's, yeah. Yes. Like, that's, those are the people I'm talking about. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. They have the, the, Ugg, the Ugg boots on. I'm still sweating in jeans and a t-shirt, but they have yeah. their winter gear on. Yeah. Yeah. And they're, they have a coffee at Starbucks. It's like an $8 <laughs> coffee and they're huddled around it. It's like you live in a land of make-believe. But, so I get what you're saying. Um, yes. In all this, what made you decide you wanted to homeschool? 
<laughs> That's all you. <laughs> so we were we were stationed in Florida, um, and I life had what we had just said. We promised we would never go to a certain type of lifestyle. And after a few years, we had a, we had our first child, and life was insane. Right? I was I was traveling an hour to work every day to the coast because we lived inland because I I didn't want to live on the coast of Florida because that's changed so much. Inland Florida is still old Florida, which I still enjoy. And uh, so I was I commuted an hour each way. She was working full time as an RN. Our our daughter was in uh, in school, and we both get home late. And as always, I was listening to the survival podcast on the ride home. And one day you had an episode on homeschooling and reasons why people should homeschool. And we were experiencing a lot of the issues that you had talked about, but it's something that I never would consider. Uh, I'm sure it's same for you. And we bring this up on our podcast as kind of a joke, but when I was growing up, the homeschool kid was the weirdo. Right. And so it's true. People get mad when I say that, but okay. I'm going back to the 1980s folks, right? (laughs) I'm a 50 year old dude. I'm old. And and yes, the, the, the kids that were homeschooled back then were kind of like, Many of them were the weird kids. I think they were homeschooled out, out of a sense of protection because their parents knew they were a little off. And it, it has changed. I mean, what would turn me around was early 2000s meeting kids and, you know, having this 14-year-old boy walk up to me, look me dead in the eye like a man, shake my hand with a firm grip and and go. And, and then be able to go, wait a minute, you're homeschooled. And so it was like a complete inversion that happened, you know. And some people right. are weird. I mean, a lot of weirdos grow up to be great people, too. Like, And I think that's another problem <laughs> with schooling is that weird kid, you know, has a rough life in that system and, and doesn't have time to develop and mature without being picked on. So, yeah. But I get it. I get it. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. No, it's okay. We, and we, we always we just joke about that so that we, we never really thought about it as an option. But I listened to your podcast that day. I thought about it on my hour ride home. And I walked in the house and I – walked up to her and I said, would you ever consider homeschooling? And I, I think she said, hell no. And <laughs> you're, you're crazy. And yeah. I said, okay, I cannot force this because she, I knew she was the one who would be leaving work to do this. And, and I would never put her in a position that she was uncomfortable with. Right. And, uh, Somebody just said, I'm sorry, you said not to pay attention to the comments, comments, but somebody said there's a lot of weirdos in government schools too. And that is absolutely right. <laughs> yeah. I love it. So, so she said no. And I, I just left it alone. And I don't know, a few months later. Mm. No, I'd say like almost a year later. Was it that, okay. <laughs> almost a year later after dealing with coming home late, seeing our, kids for like an hour, hour and a half before they went to bed. That was all we got with them. That uh, Well, really, there was one red flag that started to to get the idea into my head. And the first red flag was when our daughter was going from preschool to kindergarten. So mind you, this is four years old, turning five. Mm-hmm. And she was in preschool because I was working full-time, his working full-time. And then we also had our uh, this other who was in daycare. We're trying to get her into preschool. And it was we were trying to get her into a private school because the schools where we were at weren't the greatest, the public schools. And the principal had a meeting with us. And he's trying to tell us that he doesn't think that our our daughter is ready for school. 
that um, she's not where she needs to be with her letters and letter sounds. And I'll never forget Nathan and I looking at each other like, what do you mean she's not ready for school? And, and what do you mean she's behind? Behind what? I mean, she's like barely five years old. Like, what is she supposed to already know at this point? Yeah. And he was serious. And he goes, it's really up to you guys. And, and you know, we ended up like, finding another school at that point. And, and she did just fine. Sure. Mind you, it did take me everything that apparently she was supposed to learn in pre-K four for an entire year. I taught it to her within two months over summer and got her ready for kindergarten. That was my first sign that like, okay, maybe this homeschool thing is, is not a terrible idea. So that happened. That was like the first thing where I was like, okay, I'll start considering this. But yeah, it wasn't until a year later, like Nathan's saying, that I felt like the rat race was like really starting to catch up to us. And we're, like he said, he had to commute an hour to work. So he couldn't help with drop off and pick up of kids. And I'm early in the morning. I'm that mom, like banging on the daycare mm -hmm. doors. Please, can mm -hmm. I just drop him off early? Because I have to get to work. And um, it, it wasn't fun. And I just... Remember, it all kind of came together one night when I'm big and pregnant with our third kid and I'm bathing our second child and it's about seven o'clock at night yeah. and I look down at him and I feel like I'm actually seeing my kid for the first time that day. Like I'm looking at him and I'm like, hey, bud, I feel like I haven't had like a moment to see you all day long. And that's when I told Nathan, I was like, this just doesn't feel right. I don't feel like this is how we need to be raising our kids. Um, I think I'll consider we the first step for me, because again, I loved my career. I loved what I was doing. It, this was not like running away from anything. Our daughter at the time was, um, when I said I would start considering it was, um, like I said, kindergarten and she was doing fine in school. Like she loved school. So it had nothing to do with that, but I said, something's got to give. So my first step's going to be, I'm going to resign from work. Mm -hmm. So I decided to quit my job and it was, it wasn't an easy decision because we're leaving a, a nursing salary and we decided to make the jump to live off of one income. And then of course, when I make that decision, my, my family who lived in the area at the time is all like, Oh, can you become the family nanny? So then I become the family nanny, which it's <laughs> like, I did not sign up for this, but you know, it's kind of, it was a beautiful thing. Like families helping each other out at that time. And, and so I took on like, I think five kids under the age of four that I was watching out of my home. <laughs> and these are all like nieces and nephews, they're blood, but still. Yeah. And I said to Nathan, finally, it was like, I think if I can handle uh, watching five kids under the age of four, I think I can possibly handle homeschooling our three children, you know? Yeah. 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 One of the other red flags we saw, too, was I remember my the da our daughter came home from school one day, and she was, like, pale because she was so exhausted from being at school all day. We sat her down at the table. The sun was already coming down after school. And she opens her book bag and she's got like an hour and a half of homework to do. And I said, and I looked at Anita, I said, this isn't a childhood. I said, she's been at school all day long. And now we have to sit down and do an hour and a half of work. And she's six, yeah. six years old. She hasn't played outside yet today. 
said, this is, there's a problem here. This is a problem and this is not how a kid's supposed to grow up. And then, you know, like she said, she, she, uh, she resigned, took it a little, took it step by step. And then that time she was researching. We were, we were researching homeschooling. She took almost a year, a year, yeah. a year to research. I know not everybody. It amazes me because I've always thought it's wasteful. But what really I reflect on now is I think like I had it pretty, pretty heavy with homework. Um, I also kind of plowed through stuff in high school and I did most of my stuff in study hall, they call it in high school. But I had that in, you know, grade school and all. And it's gotten worse. And I remember my son going through it. And now, you know, my grandkids could be going through that. We're homeschooling them and they're done in two and a half, three hours a day. Yeah. And that stays that they fart around and you have to push a little bit. And that's in a, control, a controlled curriculum. And I just, I, I, I sit there and I look at that now and I go, what are you doing with my kid for seven to eight hours a day? If they come home with two, three hours worth of, of homework on a consistent basis, what are you doing? And I think we now know the answer. They're busy programming their brains and they do their actual academic work at home. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And how old are your kid with six? Now, now, just so where would that be when your kid's like, 11, 12, 13 years old, you know, then you're, they're coming home again with that two and a half, three hours of work. And I've, I, ha- I remember having this conversation with high school teachers with my son and they're, well, I only give like 20 minutes to 30 minutes of homework a day. And it's like, well, you do know he has like six classes. And if you all do that, I mean, that's pretty basic math. I know you guys do new math now, but a half hour, you know, times six is three hours. And then they look at you like you're the one that's crazy. You know, it's, so I feel exactly what you're saying, guys. Yeah, and just to talk about the homework, we were even in a school that had a lot of school districts are trying to do this where it's a no homework policy. However, what was happening was that even, and she was in a smaller school, probably like 14 kids in her class, but there was homework because she was behind in math. She couldn't keep up with the other kids in, in her class, and the teacher can only handle so much when you have a group of children to keep everybody on par. So we'd have to do the extra work at home to keep her up with everybody else. And then they had spelling quizzes every Friday. Okay. How is this not homework? I mean, she has to study the words every day leading up to Friday. And it was always a new group of words. So even for those that say a no homework policy, these kids have work in order to keep up with, with the rest of the group. Yeah. Yeah. I, I guess I could understand some, but it was it's the sheer amount and the continuous uh, mm-hmm. nature of it, like you're saying. How has this changed everything? You know, um, w- w- once you've done this, what what have the differences you've noticed in your your kids' lives, and how long have you been doing it? I guess as well. All right, so we are going on year four, and I feel like some of the bigger changes we have noticed is, first of all, uh, time, right? We got back the gift of time with homeschooling. Like we said before, I felt like we were in the rat race. Um, Even when Nathan would come home from work, he would come home to two very grumpy, exhausted kids because they had been all day, seven, eight hours in school, and they had nothing left in them. And then they had nothing to give to Nathan at that point. And so we got time back. Like you said, Jack, you can get most of the schooling done within two and a half to three hours. If the kids are younger, it's even less than that. And two and a half to three hours, because even at home, like you said, you have to keep 
<laughs> telling him to like, okay, focus, get this done. Um, so then we have like the whole second half of the day to go and do stuff, to go explore our area, to go be in um, extracurricular activities and homeschool groups or really awesome classes that they have out here. At least where we live, there's a lot of opportunity for different classes. And so you have the whole afternoon now to go be a kid and, and to go enjoy life. And then uh, we also have where I felt like with that, because you get the freedom of um, choosing your own curriculum and choosing your own topics that you want to learn about, even if you're an unschooler, even unschoolers, you know, you have the freedom where the kids can go down the rabbit holes that they want to go down. So even if I might be a little bit more structured than, let's say, an unschooler, I still am very open to going down rabbit holes. So if if we're talking about, you know, Greece and we're reading about something about Greece and the kids are super interested, we're going to go down that rabbit hole. And, then, sure. and, and it doesn't matter, right, because we get to learn what we want and we're still learning and – Oh, there's just so much where it's amazing. The freedom and flexibility. Here's the thing about that freedom, right? The kids learning, and the main thing that you need to learn in school is you learn how to learn. This is why reading, writing, and math are so important, because if you've got that, you can learn anything, right? If you understand language, you understand mathematics, basic core mathematics, and you know how to write, so you know how to type, you know how to do research, anything you ever decide you want to learn, we have this magical tool now called the Internet that the school system still acts like it doesn't exist, and we can learn anything at any time. And so it doesn't matter what a kid's learning, because this is what I've said to people that talk about how important this is. Okay, go grab me a 100 successful people off the street at random. When I say successful, I mean, you know, 80K and up salary, right? Successful people with college degrees. Bring them in front of me and make sure they're at least 50 years old sit them down and have them take their high school finals from 11th grade and tell me how many of them are going to fail. And the answer is most. So what of those things that they learned did they really need? Now, if the person went into, like, engineering, he'll probably do really well on his math, but I bet you he's not going to do so well on his history and science and and, and English tests, right? And so people go into the things that they're actually interested in. So the broad-based knowledge is important, but it's not important to be able to tick all those boxes. Like when we started doing this with our grandchildren, my sister-in-law, who is a teacher, said, well, they have to learn Texas history. And I said, well, what happens if they don't? And she said, but they have to. I said, no. no." What happens if they don't? And she got kind of, you could tell she was like internally angry, but trying to cover it up. And it was because she knew the answer was nothing happens if they don't. I'm like, you know, we'll take them one summer to see the Alamo or something. You know, I mean, like, it's like, that's a requirement for you. I was like, but they don't go to school in Texas. What? They go to school in California. We use a cellist. They're a California-based institution. They're accredited. So if a kid goes to school in California, moves here in ninth grade where they, they don't have Texas history, and this is a grade school thing. Uh, do they make them take it? She's like, well, no. I said, so then what happens if they don't? And then I was told they just didn't understand. <laughs> I think I understand. The answer that you don't want to give 
is nothing. And there's this desire to hang on to this dead institution, man. It's, mm-hmm. and I know not all schools are bad or whatever, but <laughs> man, it's just it's like a, like, I, you know, the kind of one of the catchphrases of the show is a better way to do things. And I think you guys, from what you've seen with your own kids would agree, this is a better way to do things. Yes. Yeah. One, one a great example, um, that we were able to do something that we wouldn't have been able to prior to, one of, one of the subjects we were studying in school was Puerto Rico. Her family's Puerto Rican. We were studying yeah. Puerto Rico. They were reading books, watching DVDs from the library that we got for them. And then the culmination of that was we went to Puerto Rico. And we went during the off season when schools weren't out, when tickets were cheap, and we flew over there and stayed for a week and a half and explored Puerto Rico. And, and we would never have been able to do that if the kids were in school. And they got more out of that than, I, I mean, a week, a week and a half in, in school, I promise. Yeah. Talk about history. That was like living history. We're, we're went to the fort, mm-hmm. went to the fort over there, read all the history on there, got tours, and that was that was their school. You know, it's interesting because I'll, I'll give my school schooling in Florida and Jacksonville at least some props in that we did have Florida history. My wife and I were just having the conversation about the whole Texas history thing. And I'm like, here's the things I remember about Florida history. But they were all things I actually touched. Like I, I remembered a lot about the Timucu Indians that were native to the area before they were all wiped out. And it was because like me and my friend David Carlo found this like basically dump site where they dumped all their pottery on the St. John's River. And we found all this. So I touched it. Or like we did take a class trip to San, uh, St. Augustine. And so like we went to the Castillo de San Marcos. Right. And so. I, I remember the, the, the history of the Spanish fort and the French shelling the fort because I looked at the, the, the cannonball holes in the side of the tent. So it, it actually meant something to me. Now, I was like, but so I know it was under Spanish control, contention by the friends. I went to Fort Caroline school and I went to actual the re-enact, recreation of Fort Caroline. The fort saw that. Ask me when Florida became part of the Union. I don't know. Like, honest to God, I don't remember. I'm sure they made me know that, and I don't care. And if I want to know, hey, Siri, better not say it. The phone will do it, right? Like, hey, Siri, when did Florida join the union? And it'll tell me the answer if I actually need to know that, you know? Now, if I'm going to be the, the authoritative Florida historian that does the Florida History Podcast, I should probably know that. But the average person doesn't know and doesn't care. Right, and that's the biggest thing that we've learned with homeschooling is that the key is to get the kids to love learning because like you said, as soon as they can love learning, as long as they know how to read and write and do some basic math, they can be successful because if you're interested in something, you now know how to learn more about it and how, how to, to find out answers to what you want to learn about. Yeah. yeah we live, we live in the local library. Yeah. Thank you. saying, I don't believe in homework. It's BS. I'll tell you why I think they do it. Cause like, I think back, like you were talking about working late and then coming home and it's already dark out. And I remember my life when it was like that. And I remember bringing tons of work home from it with me from the office. And this was even when I owned my own company. In fact, it was more so when I was a partner in the company that I was doing this. And I remember eventually thinking, you know what? This sucks. This is not a way to live as an adult. And I didn't even think about it at the time. But, you know, school was designed to condition you to think that way, that you're just this slave to the machine. And fortunately, I had the entrepreneurial bent, and I'm like, I'm not doing this anymore. <laughs> I, I'm going to design my life, and I'm going to design the entrepreneur component of my life so that I don't have to do that either. 
and I might work hard, but I'm going to work hard at home. If I want to see my my grandkids, I, I really need to get up and shut the door when you guys answer me because the dog opened it and they're, they're out there, you know, but I can walk right out there and see them today. Yesterday, my wife took my grandson to, you know, personalized uh, uh, batting uh, coaching from a guy that used to play double uh, A minor league ball. Like he's not going to get that in in government schools, um, right. you know. How how has this allowed you to you know change the lifestyle design component of y'all's lives? And I'll be right back. I'm going to shut the door. I'll hear you. <laughs> sure. Um, so when we made this decision, it was based on several things. It was based on what we were seeing with our daughter, but it was also based on how our life was looking, right? Our lifestyle design was not where we wanted it to be at that time. And what we realized was one of the biggest components of that was our kids' school, right? So they are at that school every day from a certain period of time, all, all year long pretty much except for the summer. So that means you cannot go do anything during that period of time and that takes a lot of of our life out of the equation as well, right? If we wanted to go see family, if I don't want to travel during Christmas break when every other person in the entire country is doing it, I can't because you can't take your kid out of school for more than, I don't know, two days or whatever it is. I forget now. And when we sat down and thought about this as a whole, we realized our the way we want our life to look can be changed by changing our kids' school. We can see them more. We can be around them more. My goal as a father is to spend as much time as much time as, with my kids as possible, quality time, and then to turn them into great men and a great lady one day, right? And you can't do that when you see them for an hour a day. And somebody else, as you always talk about, is raising your kid, and that's exactly what was going on. And we, I realized that when, when you when all you're doing is putting your kid to bed, that's that's the time you have with them. Somebody else is raising your child. And that's a problem. And if you don't see and I and I know it's hard, it's not it's not that easy to just quit a job, but you can but it can be done. Um, but if you don't realize that in actuality that there's somebody else raising your child for the majority of their life, then you're not looking at what's really going on. So when we realize all of this. The main thing was the kids' school, and that's where we came up with the decision to start looking at homeschooling. And it's opened up everything. We have so much quality time together. We go on, we are able to go on trips together. The kids, when I get home from work, when we're sitting down for dinner, I ask them, Tell, teach me something new today. And I can promise you, when my daughter was going to to school, if I asked her that, she probably would have put her head on the table and started crying because it would be one more thing I had to talk about with her with school, right? And she'd been doing it yeah. all day long. They sit there and tell me something new that they learned that day. They're excited about school. They come running up to me and start talking about the new things that they're learning. Or they're getting ready to go to some activity before the school bus across the street with our neighbor's kids even pull up. They're getting ready yeah. to go to an activity that she set up for them. They, we, we live at the library. We live at the Natural History Museum. The, uh, uh, the um, local history museum, the uh, the zoo, because they, they love learning about animals. We take them to the zoo. They come home and they research animals. Um, my Our daughter is currently at 
an adventure camp with this, the local park system here is amazing. And they are huge on homeschooling. And they have an adventure camp right now where every every class is something different. Kayaking, rock climbing, um, is it fly fishing? Yeah. And so no. we well, have How are they going to learn about the real world? <laughs> right. right. You know, isn't that amazing? The real world. I think that's the real world. It is. Do you actually touch the world, you know, the planet we live on and all the stuff in it? You know, like yes. some of the stuff you're saying there, it's interesting. Like, so how many movies have we seen, whether they're serious or they're like comedies? Like I'm thinking right now, Malibu's Most Wanted, like where the kid was raised by the help, the nannies or whatever. And they, they make it out like this is how rich people are. And you're like, you don't understand that your school system is your nanny. Hell, I'm Gen X. We have the school system and the TV. Now they have the school system and TikTok. That's the, the, the nanny. So it's interesting to me that we have this stereotype. Well, that's what these rich people do, and that makes them bad. And that makes us feel good because class warfare. But you're doing the same thing. You're doing worse, actually. At least you pay the nanny. The nanny's in your house, right? Like, you know, not everybody can do that. But, like, like th- that you're probably more in touch, and that kid's probably getting a better education that way than they are through what we think of as being better. And then the trips, dude, it, whether it's a trip or just an outing, like, we don't do anything on weekends at all, period, because we don't want to, because that's when everybody else is there. I, I, heard, when right. I heard Dorothy making an appointment. I don't even know what it was for. It was something for one of the kids. And she's like, oh, we don't want to do it after hour. No, no, no. We're homeschoolers. And, and the person on the other end is like, oh, I get that. We have lots of those. So we want to do it when there's not peak, you know, flow, where they're not, you know, where it's, maybe it's not a one-on-one, but it's like a one instructor to four kids instead of one instructor to 20 kids. And right. then the school buses, that's my favorite. When my kids are out with grandma doing something or they're out in the backyard playing or whatever. And I see a school bus go down the road at like four o'clock in the afternoon. Mm-hmm. I yeah. am so grateful they're not on it. And I make sure they know that too. I'm like, when they're like disrespectful or whatever, you could be on that right now. Right. And you're not. So, you know, have some appreciation for what's going on here. It's, it, it really, like I said, a better way to do things, guys. It just is. Yes. Uh, another another example of something we can do, Jack. Sorry to interrupt you. If I did, um, no, no. We we are also we're also part of. A, if, if people aren't familiar with homeschooling, this area is big on homeschooling, and we're part of a co-op. Every Friday, all the homeschooling families get together, and the and the parents run classes and teach the kids in the classes. They get to hang out with the other kids. I mean, we hang out with other kids all the time, all week. But mm-hmm. they are with these kids. They do they do courses, and they absolutely love it. Um, and they have the ability, you have the ability to do that too. Most places are going to have something like that in the area. And, and are you still serving? Is that your, I, your primary employment? Okay. How does that impact your ability to be home or, or what have you? Um, as of right now, I have a pretty good schedule. Um, okay. When we were with the first part of our story, not so much. I was on, I was underway quite a bit um, and gone and, that all, you know, all that experience played, played in, factored in as well. Just not being, not being home a lot, having to leave, um, and realizing how important time with your family really is because it goes by really quick and your job can do that. Your kid's school can do that. There's a lot of, there's a lot of things that can take you away from your family. And as you know, when, when your kids are grown, it's, it's over. Yeah, even you don't if get it was, we've always said, that even if he ends up in the next station with a terrible schedule, it's it's a blessing to them already be homeschooling because 
then you just switch it up, right? It is a lifestyle. So if he's off somewhere and he's working or he's having to go away, then we're focusing on what we need to do. And then we can take breaks when he's back home. And a lot of uh, military families or even families who one of the spouses do have an odd schedule. Like I have a friend of ours here and the, the dad works week um, weekends. So they do their, a lot of their homeschooling on weekends so that during the week they can spend time with dad. And that's the beauty in that because you have that flexibility. That's, that's great. Um, why did you guys tell us about your podcast? Why did you guys start it? And, and what's, what's it kind of all about? It's uh, it's the homeschool project podcast. And the reason that we started it was because when we were researching homeschooling, there are home, there's lots of homeschooling podcasts, but we weren't finding the information that we needed. Well, what we found was that there was a lot of general information um, and it was scattered. And a lot of homeschooling podcasts are based on like different curriculums and they're uh, a lot of them are kind of biased in certain ways. And that wasn't, that wasn't what we were looking for. We wanted the ABCs of starting homeschooling. Okay. Start me off here. How do I take my kid out of school and how do I start this as somebody new that I don't have a family member that does it? I didn't grow up doing it because a lot of homeschoolers, you start you start listening to these podcasts like, well, they grew up doing it. Well, this is very, very different when you didn't grow up doing it and you're starting from scratch. Um, and we were also we, so we wanted to share the information from the start from when we not too far off from when we started it. But also, we wanted to hear other people's stories. We didn't want to hear about curriculum. We can research curriculum. We're good. We don't need to hear any more about the curriculum because we can Google that. Um, I don't need to listen to an hour-long episode on it. But what I wanted to hear was, how, what, is, what, are you, what, are your, what does your life look like? How are people doing this? Because when I thought of homeschooling, it was we're all sitting around the kitchen table five days a week all day. The kids don't interact with anybody. And that's what homeschooling looks like. And we just kind of knew that that wasn't the case, but we were just getting started. And so what we did was we really started wanting to interview people that were proving that there's an, a different way to do this. There's an alternate way to educate your children. And eventually we got that was our favorite part of doing it was finding those people out there that were doing things that people don't realize is going on out there. You don't know how many people are doing this until you start doing it. And once you start doing it, you just start bumping into people. Oh, you homeschool too. We, we've interviewed people that travel the world homeschooling their kids. Their kids have never stepped foot in a school. They don't even live in a house. They just travel around the world and that's their education. And they're some of the most educated kids you'll ever meet. We've, interviewed a family that lives on a sailboat that all they do is travel around the world and they, and they educate their kids while they're doing it uh, that have built out school buses. If you're into vans and school bus, school buses and stuff like that, we've interviewed families that they they're down in South America living on a school bus, teaching their kids. And, and you know, a lot of times the parents can re work remotely. Um, but once we started realizing that there were people out there doing that, 
the, the possibilities are endless. Like if you can teach your kid like that and then you meet the kids and you talk to the kids and you realize how cause one of the biggest concerns is, well, that's great. But what do these kids turn out to be, you know, and what, what kind of kids are these? And then you meet them yeah. and you just you said an example when we started this. It's the kid that walks up to you, shakes your hand with a firm grip and looks you in the eye and says, how are you doing? It can have a, a conversation with you. And when we started going to the co-op here, that was the first thing we noticed. Like, did you just notice that 10 year old walked up to me and said, how you doing, sir? And the kid over there actually had a conversation with me about what was going yeah. on that day. And I, and just like you said, you said, Oh, you're homeschooled. It all makes yeah. sense now. Yeah. And that's what homeschooling can do for you. And we wanted to interview people that were raising, raising kids like that because I'm around a lot of young adults. It ain't pretty. It's not, and not I mean, I mean, home, the no. I mean no. my work. it's not pretty. one of my best friends just a couple of years ago, got off a two year trail of as a drill sergeant in the army. And what he tells me about the people coming into the military, which is probably better than aggregate average, right? Is like, I'm like, Oh, they would have just killed us if we did that back when I was in the army. Like, that was it. He's talking about taking away their, and this is, he was an AIT drill sergeant. So it's, you know, tech school after basic. And, but he was like, yeah, we have, my office is full of like playstations and stuff like that. I'm like, they have playstation in, in, in military school, right? In your, your, your core curriculum, AIT, you have, he's like, oh yeah, they have everything now. I'm like, I, I, I didn't even know what to say. I, you know, it was, it was pretty amazing to me. And so, yeah, you see the aggregate average looking bad, but, and it seems so radical, but it actually makes perfect sense. And it makes perfect sense because we are like the people we're around. So if you're surrounded by 14 year olds all day long, every day, and 14 year olds outnumber all the adults and all the adults are trying to do is keep you from going ape shit, basically. <laughs> they sit down in your chair, do your work and go to the next class. And once I get this group out, they're not my problem anymore. They're the next, and I get this next group, and that's what you're around. So your your average person you're associating with is 14 years old. Now, there's nothing wrong with 14-year-olds having 14-year-old friends. They should. But if they're around nothing but 14-year-olds, they're all going to act like 14-year-olds. But if, the, if your 14-year-old is constantly around men that conduct themselves like men, they're going to start conducting themselves like young men, which is exactly what we're supposed to want. So it's no mystery why this happens. It's just that we've lost touch with it, right? Like you, you, you either rise up or drop down to those who you associate with. That's actually one of my laws of life that you become more like the people you're around. And so some people you need to not be around. <laughs> you know, it, that reminded me of one of our interviews with an author and she had a big heart for the public schools and, and she, is writing about basically how there is a fault in the system. So we had her on and, but at one point we get to the conversation because she, she truly did not know much about homeschooling. And we get to a part where it's that question that every homeschooler gets. And what about socialization? And Nathan goes, wait a minute, before we answer that, do you think sitting in a classroom with the same age group all day long with people that you may never ever want to associate with and you're with them every day. Do you think that that's healthy? And she had to like sit there for a good like 10 seconds and she looked at us and she said, no, 
So, I mean, and we don't have issues with socialization, but believe me, I think mm. our kids are more socialized now and in a healthier way than when our daughter was in school, for sure. But it's just, it's so true that, like, it's it's not normal with the way that the system is set up. That's not life once you leave school. No, no. The whole real world argument is dumb because mm. in, in school, one kid will, will physically assault another kid and then they'll told, they'll told to just sort it out. If you go, if you go to work and somebody physically assaults you, they go to jail. Right? Like the, the, the whole real world argument ends with that as far as I'm concerned. If you go to work and you're ruthlessly picked on by another employee, that guy gets fired and possibly sued. This is not, there is no real world argument with that. But yeah, we definitely become more like those around us. How, how is the podcast? Cause you talk to all these people and I find that fascinating because then you get all these different viewpoints. Like you said, some of them are doing their homeschooling on a, a, a ship selling around the world. Some are, you know, using school bus converted, basically RVs and, and traveling the country or even another country. Uh, how has that changed your idea of what's possible in, in education for children? I feel like the, the first guest we had on, that really just blew my mind in what education could be was when we had the wildlings podcast on from Australia and they run a forest school. And up until this point, I guess I was very naive and I had no idea what a forest school was. And so she told us all about it and just like realizing that a child could learn in any environment and that when given the, the the freedom and the time to play, just how much growth there is and making sure that we give our kids that free and play time, that it's just as important as the books. It just that was like the first big realization that like, wow, education is not what I thought it was. And so we had her on and then soon after we'd have uh, like professors and researchers on like Dr. Peter Gray, um, professor with Boston College and his story is super interesting. Um, he was a, um, I don't want to get it wrong. I think he studied like biology. Biologist. Bio- okay. And it wasn't until he said his son started to have, um, and, and he basically says it himself that like he's starting to have trouble in school. Like, he's getting into trouble because he's getting bored. And mm-hmm. him and his wife were saying how, like, okay, we we don't have um, – they didn't want to homeschool because they both were really into their careers at the time, but they knew that they needed something different for their son, an, an alternative education. And so they found this school, um, Sud- Sudbury Valley School in Massachusetts, and it's an alternative school. It's, it's mostly a bunch of unschoolers in this building. And um, and so he's telling us that, you know, we we tried him out there and he was doing great and, and he was no longer getting into trouble. He was enjoying having the freedom to learn what he wanted to. Um, and he was and then Dr. Gray is just like. But I'm like, the because I am a researcher, my yeah. 
my fear was like, that's great. Um, but how did these kids turn out like in 10 years, you know, <laughs> yeah. they actually, yeah. come, you know, do they, do they make something of themselves or is he going to be on my couch in the basement for the rest of his life? Cause we don't and have so- any kids coming out of the, of the, of the, of the primary education system and living in their parents' basement. That never right. happens, right? <laughs> That's a complete oddity. We don't have kids that go through high school, then go to school, uh, a university, get a four-year degree in, in worthlessness, and go home. And That never happens, right? It's, right. Just, it's, it's amazing, right? Isn't that funny how we all forget that, right? So yeah. he said that he's like the type of brain that he just – he had to start – researching and seeing how if you are set in this environment of learning how do you come out on the other end and so he committed it started with committing his life in that research for his son and then now he's just truly enjoyed it and just hearing all about that and and him studying like the hunter-gatherer society and how that crosses over to ours that was an eye-opener for us And and a big part of that was that the kids hang out with the adults and aren't just stuck with the same age all day long. They they mingle between the adults, and that's where they learn. Yeah. 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 It's interesting, too, even when you measure it by conventional metrics, like more children come out of the government school and go to university. That's true. More do because they're told to. So they don't evaluate whether it's the right path. But the completion rate of homeschoolers that enter college and complete it is like double. The completion rate. So plenty of, like some schools are really good. 94% of our students go on to pursue college education. Great. What percent of them graduate? Oh, 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 oh they left. <laughs> right? That's all we know, right? You don't want to talk about that. It's like 30%. And like yeah. the homeschool completion rate is something like 78%. And again, you're talking about a kid with a better handle on do I really need to be doing it? Because one of the things you need to do, if you're going to college and you realize that's not the best path, stop doing it, <laughs> right? To be able to make that informed decision, this is not – like I, I have this friend, his first wife, he has like three now, but his first wife, um, she went to school for architecture. Very difficult, very involved. Did the internship because there's like an internship after because like you're designing a building and they don't want to fall down. She designs closets for a living now. She hated it, but her dad was an architect and she had daddy issues, you know, hence first wife. And, you know, that, that type of thing, like there's just so much of that. And it just kids that go through this type of no matter what it is, all these different variations, what they have is independent thinking capacity. So if 30, only 30 percent of people are going to come out of college, maybe only those 30 percent or as close to it should have went in. And maybe there's something else for those other people to do, you know, sure. Um, it's interesting, you know. I, I, I think that the, the real thing is that we, as we start looking at this, is the answer as to what's possible is it's unlimited, and then it's yeah. a unique journey for each each family and each student. Yes, a good example of that too, Jack. Uh, one of the I mentioned a, a family that sails around the world. The kids on that boat produce basically all the YouTube content, and it is a massive. YouTube channel. I, I I don't know how much they make. They make money from the YouTube channel. I know they do because of how much how many viewers they have, and the kids build that content. They can. That's their, that's what that's what they're going to end up doing. And now that they know that they can do that, and they have the skills to do that, and all the experiences that they've built over the years of sailing around the world with their family, and being able to make money while doing it, 
But what are those kids going to be? I can't Whatever wait to see. Want. Exactly. Whatever they want, right? Exactly. Like, so like, we now live in a world where you can monetize anything. So you might as well do the thing you like and monetize that. Right. You're like, well, what if everybody did that? Well, I, we'll worry about it when we even get they close won't. to everybody doing that, right? Like they won't. The Don't worry. They won't. There'll be plenty of people stuffing sacks at the grocery store or uh, programming jets uh, or whatever it is that you're worried about. But the fact that you can do this means you should at least explore the option. I think one of the big things, like, I didn't feel this way in school, but I know my wife did because she's told me many times, like, she thought when you got out of school, you like you're going to be a doctor or a nurse or a lawyer or in business. Like there was like 20 things that were like things you could do, or you know you were going to fail and go work in a grocery store. Like like that was it. Like that was there was this very limited number of things, and no one they didn't do things like career days or anything like that. And and I don't know. I it's 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 funny that you were a, a warden for a while. That was kind of like when I got out of the army. That was kind of like my dream job. I wanted to go because you got a cabin. That's exactly what I wanted. Like, I get a pretty place to live and I get to live in the woods, right? And I'm like, I'm never going to get to hunt or fish because I'm going to be working to do all this stuff, right? That's like, exactly what happened. Fishing's one thing because you can do that all year round. But like, I'm like, I'm never going to hunt. Pennsylvania deer season's like two weeks long. I'm sure I'm not going to be able to take vacation during the peak hunting season, right? And I'm like, I got to go do something else, you know? But it, it, it's interesting. Like the kids, they do, they have this unlimited potential. Now that's, that's fascinating, but it's not surprising to me. I think if you would put a group of kids building YouTube content on a sailboat going around the world, it would succeed. It doesn't even surprise me that that was like, well, they're way bigger than me, I'm sure. And, and that's not the only, that's not the only family that we've interviewed that is basically living the same story. They're, they're out with their kids and they're learning life lessons cultural lessons in the real world, real cultural lessons in the, in, in host country. And they're either blogging, which I mean, you want to learn how you want to learn how to write. There you go. Real world experiences in your blogging. You really, you want to learn how to build YouTube content or any type of content. Um, I mean, what better place to do it while you're traveling around? If you want to learn how to interact with human beings in the real world, what better way to do it than actually traveling and and doing it? Doing it, right? Sorry, <laughs> and doing, doing it, it. Doing it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, and seeing it. I mean, we we had the family; they were studying Mexico. They're down in Mexico City, looking at at the at the ruins while we were interviewing them. Um, it, we had the one family that uh, they pretty much left everything behind, sold everything because they were up to their debt and, you know, up to their eyeballs in debt. They thought that they were living the air quote American dream and realized just how much debt they had. So they sold it all and they bought some land out in Ohio and they built, they're basically building their home from the ground up, like put a camper on there. It had nothing, right? No I don't think running water at, at first, no. no electricity, nothing. And they had three kids. They just had their fourth. Like she got pregnant, had a baby out there too. They are still in the middle of building their home, their log cabin home, a real log cabin <laughs> home um, themselves. And their kids are there with them doing it. They homeschool and then they're learning the biggest life lesson there is building something 
from the ground up and just even just like the kids learning to work with their hands and like physically doing all that. And then realizing that like, we are blessed when we have running water and electricity that it doesn't just happen like that. And her, their kids get to, to learn all of those lessons along the way. It's amazing. I think there's a lot of lessons we've lost by losing kind of that rural connection. Like one of the things about keeping livestock or even like a lot of people now, they don't even have pets because pets have hair and it's nasty, right? When, when you have an animal die, you learn what death actually is, right? So you actually start having a greater reverence for life. That would be an example. And then the way those people lived, right? So the fact that now they can say to themselves, if they have a really great life, if I lose this, it's not the end of the world. It takes away fear. It's like when you do wilderness survival training and you learn to take, you know, five or six objects, walk into the woods and, and come out a week later and not be completely miserable. Like be grateful for a hot shower. But basically I'm well fed. I, I didn't get, I didn't freeze to death. You know, I don't have frostbite, whatever. And you're like, so if you take away everything I have, I'm still okay. And then that, because when, when people are in fear, they make bad decisions. They make radical decisions that they had time not to make. When you take away fear, then you become independent and you make good decisions for yourself and you become less susceptible to control and programming by others. Like, you know, if you don't do what we say, then we'll take this away from you. Okay. Then they get really mad. And you, then you understand why they're not exactly a fan of what we're doing here. We're, we're affecting their economic system because this whole education system is a, it's a, it's a trillion dollar industry is what it is. And that's how it's treated now. And it's done off of stolen money. So they don't like it that way. But it's, I think they're actually more concerned about the result. Like, I think homeschooling is now up to like over 3 million people. That's a, kids, right? That's a lot of people that, you know, we're, we're spitting them out at the end of, of, of that 12, 13 year cycle that are becoming adults and going into the world and living completely mm-hmm. independently minded. That's, that's not a really good thing if you're the state and you want a system of controls. And, you know, I'll just say maybe if you guys weren't using a system from 1860, it would, maybe you wouldn't have this problem. Like, you know, maybe you should have upgraded. You know, that's Agreed. a good homeschool. That's a good school project. Research how we ended up with the system that we have right now. That is a good you know, homeschool project. I, yeah, I right. 14 year old kid, you know, find out about the Prussian education system and, and, and all that. It'd be an interesting thing. <clears throat> then you really got a problem for the state. Um, <laughs> What advice would you give someone who is considering homeschooling and maybe longs for the simpler life? I think there's a lot of people out there that they're in the two-income family, and they're like, they just can't see their life as a one-income family. I think that's part of it, too. So I guess I'll start uh, with this one. We So she was a registered nurse. I was in, still in the, mili- um, in the military, and she was making good money as a nurse. When we decided that she wasn't going to work anymore and we, we took this leap of faith, I don't know, six months to a year down the line, we, I remember having this conversation. Our life hadn't changed at all. And I said, not changed at all, but monetarily, really. And I looked at her. I said, where was your, where was the rest of this money going? I said, if we don't really feel it right now, I said, what were we doing with the money? And we're not extravagant spenders whatsoever. I mean, I wear clothes that are 10 years old. I mean, I I wear T-shirts and jeans and boots. That's about it. And we just, we we realized that 
when you when you when you take that step, you just you make it work. You make it work. And people don't realize how much money they waste and what they spend their money on. And if your kids truly mean that much to you, you can figure it out. Everybody has a choice, no matter anything in life. You always have options. You might not like the option, but you got op- you have options. And one of our option was we get rid of her salary. And when we did, we realized that we didn't miss it. And that we thank, we thank God that we did it. And what we did was well worth it because the, the, we bought, we bought our family back. We bought our time back and you, and everybody, anybody can do it. I, I think it's, it's definitely doable. It might require some choices or like you said, maybe you don't want to necessarily give certain things up, but sure. what you give up, you then gain back in other ways, uh, significant ways. It's something I've, I've learned over the years because I remember like, they would bring on specials back in the nineties. Like my wife was big into the talk shows back then. And have this couple that's deeply in debt. And you know, they'd, you'd, you'd hear that the kids were homeschooled, like send them to school and get a damn job, you know? And you realize like that was so, so much a programmed mentality by a system that benefits, that benefits tremendously because again, I don't think we should overlook the value of the fact that we have currently right now a greater than three million cycle of homeschool children that will be the next generation of young adult and leaders coming out the other end of this. And that number keeps growing. It, it's it's yeah. like the best thing that ever happened to the homeschool movement was COVID. It's like the only real blessing that came out of there. It's why we're able to do it. We were we wanted to do it, but once it ha- had to happen, then, then my son and daughter-in-law became very open to it. It's like, well, we're already doing it. Why don't we just keep doing it and see what happens? And it's, right. it, it, it's one of the greatest things. And I do think that it is, uh, if you want to dismantle the current system, you have to start with stop letting them program the next generation of leaders because that's yeah. what they're doing. That's the, and they, I believe they know full well what they're doing. And I'll get hate mail now because, you know, you hate teachers and don't understand. There's nothing to do with the individual, zero to do with the individual teacher. You can't, so no matter how good the individual German soldier was in World War II, the, the Nazis were still a problem, right? Like if you think every single person that grew up as a German kid and, be, and joined the German army and ended up serving in the German army in World War II was an inherently evil person, you have, you probably went to public school. <laughs> I was going to say you probably went to public school right. and you've done no independent historical research, right? Because one of those very people is the reason that my my father-in-law survived long enough to have his family. And, and he was part, my father-in-law and his family were part of the underground. So it was a German army soldier who saved his life in a very bad situation we won't get into right now. And, like, you lose all kinds of perspective when you don't interact with people. And so, yeah, I think this is... This is, and I'm glad to see you guys doing this. I think it's so important that folks like you that are doing what you're doing not only tell your story but help other people tell theirs. So uh, again, the the podcast is the Homeschool Project podcast, right? Correct. Um, how does lifestyle design come into play with all the people you've interviewed? It sounds like all of them have some form of lifestyle design into their life. None of them seem to be the conventional nine to five type lifestyles. No, and that's pretty much why when we started the podcast, um, as you know, I don't know, starting off, you kind of like, okay, we're going to start this podcast. We want to, you know, learn alongside other parents what this is all about, how to get going. 
And then we just found that as, like Nathan said, as we interviewed more and more families and as I researched more families that were homeschooling on and just seeing their stories, we just felt it was so important to get them out there because it helps people start thinking outside the box. And that is why like the focus of our podcast Mm -hmm. is so many families that think outside the box and show that, yes, if we want to go live on a sailboat and we have kids, education's obviously something we have to factor in. We can do that. Or if we want to go live off grid and homestead and we're away from any system, we can do that because education is going to be at the center. Or if we want to go travel the country in a van or in a bus, and we've got one family we interviewed that's been, I think they're going on like seven or eight years of road schooling and they have four kids and they're doing it and everybody's fine. You can do that. And that's just the, our podcast helps highlight that what, if there's something you want to do in life, whether it's, and it always comes back to the, the type of lifestyle, and if it is to go travel the world, or if it is because you want to get back to basics and start homesteading and living off grid, or if it is that uh, even just going in the, the country, you can do that and, and take your kids' education with you. And then you also realize through these interviews and stories of these families that it's not just about the books. There, as we have mentioned already, this is about how much the common theme behind every family that we have interviewed coming from all these different adventures has been that their kids are not necessarily just learning from books. Their kids are really getting the most learning out of that life experience, whatever it may mm-hmm. be. And it looks so different from every family. And that's, that's just truly the heart and soul of our, our podcast and, and why if you think of something that you want to do with your life, if you can figure out your, your why behind it, you'll figure it out. And, and homeschooling just complements that so well. And most people don't realize that they can do something. It's like the, like the four minute mile. Nobody thought they could do it until they saw somebody else do it. It's the same as with homeschooling. Even us, like until we saw we're like, Oh, you guys homeschool, like you can do this like this. Then, then it, then your mind just opens up and you realize that, I don't have to do it that way, but the way I want to do it is possible as well. And we can do this and we can do it together as a family and, and, and live our life as a family. And in the end, when the kids are grown and they're out, we will have spent such, so much quality time together. So it's experienced so many things together that if they were stuck in school every day, getting dropped off by the bus after dark, that time is going to fly by and you're going to realize you spent a fraction of their life with them. You know what that makes me think is how many parents I've heard say things like, well, when the kids are out of school, we're going to do a thing, right? And it's like, why don't you do the thing while you have the kids? This is your your prime years of your life. It's something like we said earlier, you will never get it back. And so why not take those kids on that adventure that you dream of doing with you? And I think there's there's two, two people that make that claim. The first group. You can't help. It's tool, toolbox fallacy thinking. I, I, the reason I'm not doing it is because I can't. 
and, and, and when the kids get out of school, they don't ever do it. And that's, that's a different group. There's a group though that sincerely believe like this is just not possible. Yes. And, and what you're talking about is yes, it's possible. And, and wouldn't it be great that your children live that adventure? And not only did you teach your kids the trivium and how to read and to write and communicate, but you taught your children how to live an adventure lifestyle. So that if that's what they wanted as adults, they could have it too. Wouldn't that be a great idea? Right. Your grandson, for example, he watches you make money, talking to people, running your homestead, making you making videos. And now he will know when he is older that this is a possibility. Like you said before, when I graduated, I thought there was like 10 jobs I could go do. And I was just going to go to school and it was all going to work out. If I had the opportunity to see what these kids see, and just start soaking it all in and realizing these are all ways that I can make a living. And they don't, they, they don't involve sitting in a cubicle all day long or doing something that I hate. But there's so many possibilities out there of ways to make a living that nobody knows about. But when you homeschool, you can expose them little by little to all these different things. And then it's up to them to choose what, what their passion is, but at least they've been exposed to it. The idea that you can do something else. That's, yes. that's the big thing. And he'll ask me sometimes about work and I'm like, he's like, but you work a lot. I'm like, because I love what I do. Right. Yeah. Right. I love what I do. And you know, like, you work late today. Well, late, so I work till three 30. Right. You know, like, <laughs> I'm hoping to get done today before they have to leave. Cause the, the girls go into gymnastics and the boy will go with them because it's late enough that it's close to handoff time back to mommy. But like, I have, I have uh, 24 pounds of, uh, seasoned meat that needs to be ground for sausage for the workshop. So nice. there's, there, there's a, there's a cooking and meat preparation uh, lesson on the agenda today. If I get done early enough and like, like it, he does kind of look at it and go like, well, this is what you do. And my dad doesn't really like his job. And my mom doesn't really like her job. And like, well, buddy, you have a choice, you know, you right. have a choice yeah. in how you build your life, you know? Um, Tell folks again how they can find your uh, podcast. I do have links in the show notes to a few of the platforms that you're on. And uh, anything left either you have to say to the audience, uh, go ahead now. All right. So you can find us, um, the Homeschool Project Podcasts. As far as the podcast goes, we're on pretty much every major app on that. And then you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at the Homeschool Project Podcast. And we did take, we haven't, we haven't done an episode since January because we were pursuing licensure with something else and needed to take a break to do that. And we hope to start that back up soon because this is something that's extremely important to us. But, uh, but it's still up there yeah. for people and we still connect. Well, it's people. an evergreen topic. It's not, it's not freaking, uh, AM radio, right? Like, right. you know, where you're talking about what the potato and chief did today or something. So right. there's over a hundred episodes archived there. I, I was listening yeah. to some of it today. It's very well done. So yeah, get back to it, guys. You know, long delayed podcasts become archived podcast you don't You're right. to do it, but yeah the archive that's there is fantastic and uh thank you guys for being with us today thanks Jack. thank you thank you for having us on well good discussion um i i hope you guys do check out their podcast especially i'll tell you who i really want to check their podcast out the family that's thinking about it but just isn't sure it, it re- I, really i i think that homeschooling is one of those things that you think it's a lot harder to do than it is, 
And once you do it, even though there are challenges and even though there's times where you're like, oh, I wish these kids would just go somewhere for a day. Well, you could send them off to, you know, uh, some sort of mini camp or something for that to get a break here and there. Uh, but you also see changes in your children. And I'll tell you something that happened yesterday that made me literally thank God. And I'm not a religious man, but literally thank God that we have this opportunity to homeschool our grandkids. I saw a fight, actually a multi-student fight, at probably a middle school that was incredibly violent, and it was all girls. And I saw the teacher, wearing a mask, like a mask card, stand there and, and kind of stand in between it, but when it went down, just get out of the way and let it happen. Four girls just beating the hell out of each other, cursing worse than Jack on a day when we're talking about government. And all of the all of the boys in the class just pulled their phones out and filmed it. And were like, oh, wow, oh, wow. Nobody did anything to help the kids that were being beaten. It's not just what they teach your kids. And don't think this is, this is well, that, you know, and if you look at it, this is probably an inner city school. Don't think it's only there. Don't think it's only there. My son's been out of school a long time. He's in his 30s. And by the time he graduated, they had two duty officers at his school every day. And it wasn't because they were worried about somebody coming in and shooting up the school. It was for the things that were happening every day. My sister-in-law right now, she's teaching fourth or fifth grade. The, the behavior that I witnessed is going on in fourth and fifth grade. The school she teaches at, very upper middle class area. Very upper middle class area. She said all the girls want to do is fight, and they have little cliques and they're little bitch leaders. And that basically, that when they are told to do something, all the girls look to that chick and like you know she nods yes or no. And if she wants to fight, then everybody's going to fight. Fifth grade. And so maybe you're going to tell me it's not in your school, and I'll just say comma yet. This is spreading everywhere because they're allowing it. Teachers are literally being, and, and, and people on that, that Twitter thread where that video was posted were saying, you know, like, well, why didn't the teacher do this? Why? And they said they're telling, there's so much gang activity that even if that teacher successfully breaks that fight up, he's, he's in danger of being knifed in a hallway or something afterward or being followed home and beaten. Stay out of it. Get out of the way. Call for the police. While your kid's being smacked around and beat up by two or three other people, the teacher stands out of the way. That's not the school I went to. That shit wouldn't happen at the school that I went to. No way. No way. And it didn't really happen hardly at all in schools anywhere. The only place I saw a school like that was when I was in seventh grade in Jacksonville, Florida. The geniuses that ran the school system there decided, why don't we make one giant school for all the seventh graders in all of Duval County? And it was thousands and thousands. It was bigger than a high school, a typical high school, just for one grade. And it was like a prison yard. It was like a prison yard. And you know what they did? That experiment lasted a few years, and they went, this doesn't work, and they turned, changed it into a school for the performing arts and sent all the seventh graders back to their, their, their districts and, uh, and ran it as you know, you know, middle school, junior high type thing again. Yeah. That's what happens when you put enough kids in a place like that without enough supervision. And then when you start restricting the ability of the teacher to do anything, that's not, so we're not even into wokeism and grooming and the bullshit that they're teaching your kids, the manipulation, the overall environment. That's just the violence that's going on. If you are like, I really want to do this, but I'm just not sure, listen to the stuff I have on it, go listen to their stuff, do more research, and by God, check out Excellus. Every person that has used Excellus has come back to me and said, we love it and our kids love it. 
And definitely use the Roger Billing Scholarship if you use Excellus. It sounds too good to be true, but it isn't. It saves you a ton of money. You get a first-class education per student for 80 bucks a month. Now, there's a way to use the Excellus for free, but you get all the support, the grades, the transcripts, everything done for you for 80 bucks a month. It's pretty amazing. And the scholarship program has the kid watch, kids watch a movie uh, or a video once a week, one hour. That's all they have to do. And you save 200 bucks. So when we started, my grandson was like, what if I don't want to watch it? I'm like, do you have $200 a month? He's like, well, uh, no. I said, well, then you're watching the video. <laughs> That's how that works. <laughs> anyway, reminder now, if you want to help support this show and the work that we do, there's always great ways to do that. One is become a member of my member support brigade, also known as the MSB. I don't know why some people I call it MSP. There's no P, B, Members Support Brigade. Uh, if you join the member support brigade, you'll get all these great discounts, and they will cover like the cost of your membership multiple times over. Butcher Box alone, right? Butcher Box, you get you get ten bucks a box, twelve boxes a year, a hundred and twenty dollars, fifty dollars membership. Some of the CBD products, I'm telling you, man, check out um, the the the, uh, the sleep formula from Angie's Garden CBD. It's expensive, but if you have a night where you have some insomnia and all, and you take a quarter, third of a dropper of that stuff, sleep becomes non-optional. You are Fun to the world. One bottle of that, and the membership's pretty much covered. That's just two. Food Forest Farms Coffee, Holler Rose Coffee. Like There are so many places we get you discounts. Ridge Wallet, Start 9, pays for three years by one server. So check it out. Consider becoming a member. Support the show you love for 18.3 cents an episode is what the math works out to. Or just do your online shopping at tspaz.com, T-S-P-A-Z, tspaz.com. If you go there, no matter what you buy, you'll help support the show and the work that we do. You'll find everything alphabetized by category. I bought it. I spent my money on it. I'd buy it again or I wouldn't recommend it. Today's item of the day is from one of my two favorite electronics value brands. One is Anchor, and the other is this one, E-Tech City. They are, in my opinion, the best quality and stand behind their stuff, value electronics brands on the planet. I've sold tons of stuff from both of them. It's never come back and bit me in the ass. I, and when something, something's wrong, I hear about it, guys. Right? Especially if it's chronic, I hear about You said it. Well, hold on. Let me check it out. <laughs> anyway, this is the Laser Grip Digital Laser Temperature Gun. It's basically a remote thermometer. You hold it like a little, little gun. You point it, and it tells you what the temperature is of where the little red dot hits. It's very accurate. How accurate? A couple of years ago, I had a guy work on my HVAC system. Our air conditioner wasn't blowing very cold. And so he came out, he worked on it, and at the end, he showed me what the temperature of the air coming out of the vent was. It was kind of like, see, I did it. I fixed it. And I, I looked at it I said, that's a pretty neat uh, temp gun there you got. And he goes, yeah, it's, it's Fluke. And I'm like, I used to be a regional VP for Fluke. And so we started talking, and I'm like, you know, I have like a $30 gun. How much is that? It's like 200 bucks. I'm like, let me go get my gun. So they were within one degree of everything we pointed at. $30, $200. Say you keep 170 bucks and get the E-Tech City, but, oh, you're not going to be an HVAC tech. Do you know how many things this thing does? How about when you want to do a sear on a steak and you know what pan temperature you're looking for and you can get exactly the temperature you want before you throw that steak in the pan? That would be one example. How about you're going outside you want to know where the little cool areas are to plant certain herbs that prefer a cooler environment, right? You... I've walked around and found microclimates with this outside. How about looking for leaks 
of cooling air coming out of your home or hot, warm air coming out of your home where you have energy inefficiencies. You can do that. There is so many things you can do. You're running your wood stove. Are you getting a good, efficient burn? Are you getting the temps off that you should? You could know. Those are just a few things. I have all kinds of stuff in the write-up that this thing does. It's so much more versatile than people think. Uh, check it out. There. I've used it, for instance, I have these big water tanks, but it's really hard to see how much water is in the tank. All I do is take the dot and start going down, and I'll see a really abrupt temperature change. That's the water line. So much this thing does. So much. It's, it's just barely freezing. Where are your frost pockets where it's actually colder that would kill plants that you don't want in them? Or maybe you want to put a tree there because if you do, it'll take longer before it comes to blossom and it won't blossom early. It's badass. How much thermal gain does that wall facing west really get in the winter? Does it really get the thermal gain that makes it worth espaliaring a tree against it or is it not really worth it? Right? It's... Again, you, 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 you get one, then you'll see how badass it is. Again, you can find it at tspaz.com, or you just go to the survivalpodcast.com and uh, scroll down below today's episode, and it'll be right there for you. Last reminder, today anyway, TSP Fall Workshop will go on sale Saturday, the 24th, 9.30 Central Standard Time. And if you ain't on the t Telegram uh, channel or group, you're probably not getting in. If it goes 10 minutes, I'll put it out on the website, and then put it out on social media. But last year, it didn't go on the website. And the year before, it didn't go on the website. And in those two years, we sold 65 tickets each. And this year, we're selling 50. If you want to come, and boy, do I want some new people to come, be there, be ready, check out the video. I'll have it in the show notes for you today. And with that, I will catch you tomorrow with a Just Jack episode. You pull yourself up. They keep bringing you down. Are they gonna bail you out or just run you around? They said you should have a house the American way. A dollar down, a dollar a month, and you never have to pay. There's a better way to do this. Let me show you a better way.